0: there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB in a sillier package, I am ZB, And this morning, uh, these free trade agreements, there's so many of them. What are we agreeing to? What do we get out of it? Uh, remember the Greens? Remember that, how they kind of used to be in charge of us, and now they're not? Uh, we'll enjoy some of that. We'll cancel Prince Charles, and we'll do some Art Appreciation 101, courtesy of the Hosk, before any of that. Uh,
1: this um, COVID-19, when did it really, Start. Dun, dun. Yes, Italy. Uh, this, the virus, and this has massive geopolitical implications with China. The virus was circulating in Italy in September of last year. This is the National Cancer Institute. Uh, they might have spread beyond China earlier than thought. Patient was detected Feb 21 in a small town near Milan. Uh, 11.6% of the 959 healthy volunteers enrolled in this lung cancer screening trial Between September 2019 and March 2020, they developed coronavirus antibodies well before February. So four cases dating back to the first week of October were positive for antibodies, meaning they had got infected in September. Everyone went, what the? Main finding is that people with no symptoms not only were positive after the serological tests, but also had antibodies able to kill the virus. So that then raises the question, does it not? Did China know? And when did they know, and when they knew, why didn't they say anything?
0: And also, like, this is not the first time that we've heard you know, that the first known case was earlier than we first thought. What if it
1: goes back to 2018? Will they have to change the name of it? And then, <laughs> then there's COVID-18. Helen Clark, who is investigating on behalf of the WHO. How many tough questions are you going to ask John?
0: Yeah, to be honest, I've always found it a bit annoying that it wasn't called COVID-20 because it was the disease that ruined 2020. Or will we get COVID-20 next year? It's kind of the opposite of what they do with cars. Like you can buy the 2021 model of the Hilux. At the mo- I heard an ad this morning that it's not, it's not even. 2021, yet. Yeah. Gone off topic. I do that sometimes. Hey, um, the this uh, uh, free trade thing that we've s- signed up to. Are we getting anything out of it, really, or is it just you know
1: because that's what you do? More insight we're getting on this business of the. Trade deal we were talking about this time yesterday, this Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the RCEP. Uh, So analysts, and here's the interesting insight, because I was asking this to the Prime Minister yesterday, what's the point of a deal on top of a deal on top of a deal? We've already got trade deals with Australia and China and half these countries. So a deal on top of a deal, does it actually mean anything? And the reason I ask that question is I'm deeply suspicious of just how good, I mean, I'm all for free trade. You can't have enough free trade, the more free trade, the better. But I am suspicious that we're doing so much of it now that these so-called gains and benefits are more political than they are bottom line. The diplomatic messaging, this is what the analysts have been reading about overnight, say, economic benefits are modest and will take years to materialise. The diplomatic messaging, though, may be just as important as the economics itself. And who's the big winner, they say? Do you know who the big winner out of this is? China. Uh, Because so we've wrapped up this deal with China, Japan, South Korea, Australia, Russ. Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam, Brunei, Cambodia, Myanmar and Laos. So it shows that the East Asia is open for business, so who's that sending a message to? America, of course, recognises the economic benefits of a deeper trade integration, nothing wrong with any of that, reduces the perception that China's turning inward, so good for them, and when it comes to economic policy, the Asia-Pacific economies don't want to choose between the US and China, so potentially good for all of us. Good old message to the Americans, of course, to get back in the game, but of course, once again for China, an economy coming out of COVID out the other side, the only country we think next year of any substance or size that's going to grow, benefiting from the problem that they caused in the first place and are signing signing on the dotted line all over the world wherever they possibly can. Big winners. Yeah, so good to be friends though, isn't it? It's good to have friends. Why would you
0: not be friends with people? It's better, better to be friends with people than to piss people off, isn't it? I think, anyway. Um, the Greens, not quite as friendly uh, with the government as they used to be, uh, so not quite as much power, and Mike's quite pleased about that.
1: Aren't you pleased the Greens aren't in government anymore? I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, I mean they are, but not in a way that's going to bother us at all. Jan Logie uh, wants Labour to double sick pay before Christmas. It's not happening, thank goodness. I talked to the Prime Minister off-air about this yesterday. Uh, They want it to go through select committee process. There are bits and pieces around part-timers and casual workers and the sort of detail you might not think of if you were in a rush to pass law. Clearly the sort of rush that Logie is in, and yet another reminder of why earnest amateurs do not serve this country well at the highest level. And besides doubling sick leave is a cost many employers need like a hole in the head right now, which beyond the Greens is a reminder that although they aren't in government, the fact Labour is shows that they are no real friends of business either. And the minimum wage increases along with the sick leave are, of course, proof of that. Also, the Greens, through James May, have had a good crack this week at Labour over the price of houses and the lack of a wealth tax. Now, the point Shaw makes, which is fair, is that Labour made much in opposition to the cost of a house and how unfair it all was and how they would do something about it. And they have, They've watched them skyrocket even further. But where Shaw misses the point, either deliberately or through lack of knowledge, I suspect the latter, is that the most active people in the market right now are first-home buyers, which is good, and also regular folks who are just trading up or trading down or moving town or generally taking advantage of cheap money and purchasing an everyday home to live in, none of which attracts a wealth tax, even if we had one, remembering you need to have at least a million bucks above and beyond your home and your debts. Shaw makes the mistake of many a politician, the belief that they can control everything. The housing market has become, of course, an obsession for no good reason, and it sucked politicians in year after year and made fools of them. Governments can't change markets. If they could, they would have, and they haven't. Banks have more influence than governments. Wider economic circumstances beyond our control have more influence than governments. We have more influence than governments. Why they haven't learned that, I don't know, because who needs the headache? But we can be grateful for the fact that some of that green nuttiness is no longer around the table the way it used to be. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to skip back. I'll play it again here.
0: Uh, you heard right. Also,
1: the Greens through James May have had a good crack this week at Labor over the price of
0: houses. Somehow, Top Gear got into the middle of uh, his comment about the the Greens. I, I'm wondering if he's going to do an accidental an accidental. Jeremy Clarkson's going to pop up somewhere. That's the last thing you want is an accidental Jeremy Clarkson. Um <laughs> Must be getting to the end of the year, he must be getting tired. Um Prince Charles. Uh, speaking of British personalities that Mike's into, he's defending him. He doesn't want him to be cancelled.
1: Prince Charles has launched a capsule collection. You might have seen this a capsule collection of clothing over the weekend. And sadly, given we live in the age of misery, he's been chastised now for being out of touch. One of his jackets cost $2,500. A jersey cost 900 which is a lot, but it's not worth ridiculing a person for. What's driving it is what drives most of his business operations, and that is sustainability in history. And I'm a massive fan of the Prince largely because I've read a lot about him and watched a lot of what he's done. And what he's doing is worth knowing about and not superficially judging. Uh, He might well be the most productive royal, not just of the modern age, but ever. The Duchy of Cornwall, for example, goes back to the 1300s until Charles came along. Never made a profit. Not once. Now it does. He's helped and supported thousands of jobs over the years trying to preserve time-honoured skills and traditions. He's produced an astonishing housing development called Poundbury. Look it up. People queue to pay above the odds to live there. And all of it has been driven by a rare consistency over his passion for the planet that he's been warning us about for over 50 years now. He was green before anyone knew climate change would be a thing. The warnings were out when we still thought coal was the only game in town. And he's advocated for things like wool when the world went cheap and synthetic. He argued for wool's natural qualities and longevity. And for a while, He might have looked a bit old-fashioned. Now he looks a visionary. Ask Cavalier Carpets here, who this year announced they were ditching man-made for entirely wool. It'll hit their bottom line, yes, for a while, but they are seeing the big picture, which is what Charles has seen for decades. So yes, his jacket is two and a half grand, but it's quality. It is handmade. It's used skills. It's created sustainable jobs. It's designed to last a lifetime so that the throwaway fashion industry stops producing cheap crap. That falls apart on the first wash And has been seasonally A big chunk of the fashion industry Is in fact waking up to all of this From Giorgio Armani to Maggie Marilyn here And no, a $900 jersey isn't for everyone Of course it's not But quality and longevity Have always had their place now So more than ever And in a world where talking about stuff is easy The doing is harder And the Prince is actually doing Which is worth support Not a negative headline Even if you never buy a jersey of his Read up about his work And tell me you're not impressed
0: I don't have a problem with what he's trying to do I have a problem with that. He spends uh, $2,500 on a jacket or $900 on a jersey and they still look like that. He's just got terrible taste. What's going on? Um, (laughs) Speaking of people with interesting taste in fashion, uh, let's go back to Mike, who also spends far too much money on his clothes, I think, and maybe too
1: much money on art as well. Queen's Pictures came here many years ago. And I went so I saw the Renoir, and I'd never seen a Renoir up close. And I thought, my God, that's magnificent! It, it really was an astonishing thing. When you see the the truly great, great painters, it really can be life changing. And you can see the the skill. And my, I might be speaking slightly out of school here, but I was looking at a Dick Frizzell over the weekend. I happened to be in an art gallery, and I was looking at a Dick Frizzell. Dick frizzell has got a new book out coming out. We might get him on the program and talk about it, but he's now gone and painted, and I was looking at some of the paintings he'd done, he's gone and painted his version of famous painters. In other words, he's sort of copying famous painters, and I said to the woman in the art gallery, I said, is this legal? And she paused, because clearly she hadn't been asked that question before, and she went, um, it's questionable. So it might well be that Dick's got a whole illegal thing going on And it's it'll blow up in his face Or not, who would know But geez, I tell you what, Dick Frizzell If you want to look at a talented local artist, he's your man Yeah, well I mean,
0: Mike's talked about this before As 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 we've heard him say Don't you love Dick? I love Dick uh, So yeah, he's on record And I keep those records and play them back For comic effect I am Glenn ZB, that's what I do That's why it's the re-wrap And we'll do it again tomorrow I'll see you then